0: You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Hoffman of Christ Lutheran Church in Coos Bay, Oregon. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're invited to be seated. As we just confessed the Nicene Creed, we are going to be under the impression of two things one, that it's true, and two, that we believe it. This is the day the Lord has made. So as we think on this, I'll ask, what makes you weep? I don't mean a little teary-eyed. I mean literally weep. For a lot of us, we weep over both physical and emotional traumas. Physically, as young people, if you spend any time around them, they cry when they get injured. They fall down. They scrape a knee. They even break a bone. They're stung by bees. They get in a fight. Sometimes they get fillings. They burn their mouths on hot soup. And they walk through stinging nettles and sticker bushes. Many afflictions torment the body. And little kids are quick to let you know exactly at the moment they do. But as we get older, the traumas of the body hopefully decrease. Hopefully, I say, we don't fall and scrape our knees as much. Hopefully, you don't get into as many fistfights as you used to. No, these days, words and actions are what tend to hurt us. We try to come up with magic spells to keep them away like sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But we all know that's a lie. Words matter if we believe the Bible. Words spoken in ignorance, words spoken in haste, words spoken in jealousy, in anger, are the breakers of our hearts. So, how about Jesus? For him, he walked into Jerusalem surrounded by people shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! And he wept because, yes, he wasn't kidding. They are sinners, they are who he came to save and he wept for their impending physical destruction so how about you dear saints of god as we read in the as we read in the gospel lesson do you know the time of your visitation that is to say do you know when you are in the presence of god Do you know God when you see him? Because Jerusalem didn't. Those who were entrusted with God's word, who were tasked with teaching, didn't. What's more, those holy men were misleading the people entrusted to their spiritual care. So Jesus wept. Over them. Then, as the gospel says, he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Then he went back to the business of teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests And the scribes and the principal men of the people who were seeking to destroy him. And they did their best, but they did not find anything they could do. For all the people were hanging on his every word. And continued his pilgrimage to Calvary, from which the holy mountain, the cornerstone of a new temple would be cut. But now, back to that question. Do you know the time of your visitation? Do you know God when you see Him? Do you know where we encounter God? I'll start something easier. Do you know what today is? Church, Church, Sunday, all true. Do you know where you encounter God? Same question. (laughs) He's been my kid for 13 years. You see, we know where we will find God. We know where we will hear his words, where we will be met with him in word and sacrament. We know, and this is true by faith, That as people who are washed in the waters of holy baptism, who have received the Holy Spirit, who have faith, who have been prepared to receive the Lord's Supper, who hear these words that Mark and I have read today, and yes, unless I need to be tackled out of the pulpit, what is preached to you, you will encounter God in His Word and His sacraments. But you see, the Jewish religious leaders, and they had this like cult followers, didn't see, but there were those who did. Take a lesson from a lowly virgin despised by the world. The church's feast of the visitation celebrates her visit to cousin Elizabeth. But Luke's account reveals the visitation of God in the flesh, doesn't it? In those days, it says, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt. And he leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Luke 1.39-45. So, here we learn that knowing the time of the visitation of God is a matter of faith and not sight. The fetus John knows it Elizabeth knows it. Mary knows it. Singing out with the words, we continued that we sing in the vespers. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. Luke 1:47 and 48. And here in Mary's words, lies that important truth. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has looked on the humblest state of His servant. Her words reveal why Jerusalem and her religious leaders with their temple cult did not know the time of their visitation. They were about the business, as Jesus says, of righteousness epitomized by the merchants who had set up shop in the temple square. Hey, I want to make sure you buy the shiniest coins available on the free market. I want you to make sure that your lamb is so blameless and so spotless that the sacrifice will have an extra. I want your doves to be perfect, so buy them from me. A big sale going on. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of robbers. My house will be a house of prayer. What a great in the graphic on here. It really does a good job. Jesus, his displeasure on this graphic accurately captures the way I always thought about it. And this artist managed to do it with a pencil. The house of prayer is often, so often, made into something else. Of course, hearing this, this made them angry. And the more intent on destroying Jesus, was it because he was wrong or because he was right? Because he was right. They had sinned. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for these things? Knowing the intent of their heart to trap him, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking, of course, about the temple of his body. John says that in chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. They're not seeing the picture. They're talking about this place, something they had just let into fall into disrepair. Something that they had let, annexed out. They even annexed the righteousness of God by bringing sellers in who would sell shinier coins, prettier sheep, nicer doves, fluffier doves. And they were missing the point. So they're going, you're going to rip this building down? It took us 46 years to build this building. And who knows how long to fill it up with unrighteousness. (laughs) And so, even today, this is a house of prayer. This is a place for the things of God, for the people of God. And instead of turning it into a den of robbers, I haven't seen anything in the Narthex offering us crisper bills for our offering plate, shinier ones. But oftentimes, we turn it into you have turned it into a den of options. Should I go, or did I stay up too late last night doing karaoke? Should I go, or do I need that sleep, because it's really the only day that I get off? Should I go, or is this blanket far too cozy for me? Should I go? Like it's a question, because you just all admitted that you believe in the Nicene Creed just all said that we believe that we encounter God in word and sacrament here. And when we ask people if they believe that, they go, sure. But I have a camping trip coming up. Jesus is the ultimate temple of God. His presence His visitation is the fulfillment of the Old Testament in human flesh. And he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Sounds like a great place to be. God's house. I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, says Jesus, you would not have condemned the guiltless for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Matthew 12, 6-8. Remember Mary's song? My spirit rejoices in God my Savior for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. The Lord visits the humble, the people with stuff not better to do, which means those who are righteous need to be humbled. The city of Jerusalem, along with her temple, was destroyed. It was horrible. But And as even one of the presenters at Higher Things reminded us, Modern day Jews, they want nothing but the temple back. Because they're like, Where is our forgiveness? Where are your promises? God, have you left me? This former Jewish man who's a seminarian is telling us, We want the temple back. Because where is our forgiveness? Where is the slaughter? Where is the mercy seat? Where is the blood being sprinkled? And then, as a Christian, he goes, Aha! But the temple was rebuilt by God, and we have been built on its cornerstone that is, Christ and Him crucified. Yes! We must be torn down and made fit for God's visitation and rebuilt into his temple. That is the body of Christ. It's a painful and even traumatic thing to get torn down by the words of the law, which breaks us, which causes the death of us. But it is just what you need. Your own money changer attitude and desires as well as Pharisees in you must be humbled, brought to nothing, destroyed, because God desires mercy and not another temple. Not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Sinners. So God sends and keeps sending messengers to bring the two-edged sword of the word of God to his people who have such a hard time receiving and believing it as they often fall prey to the wolves in sheep clothing who try to bring them another gospel another Jesus than the one who goes to the cross for you, who baptizes you into his death and resurrection. Talk about being low, brought low and raised up. You shall say to them, the prophet Jeremiah, thus says the Lord, when men fall, do they not rise again? If one turns away, does he not return? Why then has this people turned away in perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit, they refuse to return. Everyone turns to his own course, like a horse plunging headlong into battle. Even the stork in the heavens knows her times, and the dirt, turtle dove, swallow, and crane keep the time of their coming. But my people know not the just decrees of Yahweh. How can you say we are wise and the law of Yahweh is with us? But behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. The wise men shall be put to shame and they shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of Yahweh. So what wisdom is in them? from the least to the greatest. Everyone is greedy for unjust gain from prophet to priest. Everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Jeremiah 8, 4-11. So to protect us from false prophets, from our own weak and selfish flesh and from the very devil himself at the time of your visitation, the Holy Spirit always points you to where he is to be found, namely in the pure preaching of the gospel and the right administration of his sacraments. He is found only and always through the cross and resurrection To live in the one baptism into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in the preaching repentance and the kingdom of heaven to have us confess our sins and be absolved. Well, to begin by admitting, I'm a sinner. To draw us to the table of His very body and blood given and shed for you by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his body here on earth. We who are the body of Christ on earth, the Holy Christian Church, are sent forth to forgive as we have been forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and your minds in the one true faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.